listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. I'm a lowly Padres fan. Go Giants. Anyways. <laughs> Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, if you weren't in the room for my little inside joke there, I walked out and uh, our, our, one of our sound guys is a big Dodgers fan and he played I Love LA uh, by, I think it's, who is it? Randy Newman, maybe? I don't know. Is that the same guy that wrote Short People? Yep. I'm offended. Anyways. Hey, good morning, church. We're glad you're with us. Those of you that are over in the uh, venue right now at the acoustic service, Old Town, what's up? My people in Novato, I was over there last weekend, had lunch with everyone there. It was a great time. It's good stuff. Good morning to all of you guys. And then last but not least, our online community. Good morning to all of you watching wherever you're at. I love it if you're watching right now. Type in where you're from. That'd be really cool. Um, so anyways, hey, uh, you know, we're doing, Liz talked about the trunk or treat thing and she said drop candy in the receptacles and we all know Halloween's about putting candy in this receptacle right here. Amen. Okay. But um, do that. It's great. Uh, we're doing it at all our different campuses because um, our Novato campus, our Old Town campus, and even our future campus on Tulare Street are all in neighborhoods. So they're perfect to do a trunk or treat. So we're looking for people to bring candy. But if you want to serve at those, you want to set up a car and do trunk or treat at one of those, I got a goal. I'm going to Novato. I got someone to join me today. They're going to bring their car. I'm trying to bring five cars, five people from Clovis to Novato. Three and a half hours in the Bay Area. Here's, the, here's what you get out of it. Clean air. If you want to go, come talk to me after church. We'll hook it up. We'll do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna, gonna to be a good time. It's not actually on Halloween. They're doing it on a, on a um, Saturday night. So it'll, it'll, it'll all be good. So anyways, um, we're doing this, this story or this series called uh, Ask Me My Story. And one of the things uh, we, we've been doing, right, is handing out the, 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 the T-shirts. And there's free T-shirts in the Connect Center if you want to get one. Um, and hoping that people will ask your story and you, that you could tell your story in, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, 30 minutes, right? You could, you could do it quickly, depending on the circumstance and, and where it's at. And uh, to, to, the other thing we did is we put inside the app, there's a button that if uh, you had a spiritual conversation, someone asked you your story or you're just able to talk about God or your faith or whatever it was, that you could just go on there, hit that button and, and put your name in and say, hey, I had a spiritual conversation with someone today. And uh, the cool part is um, just over the last two weeks, you guys, who's the church? You guys are the church. There's been 96 spiritual conversations that have happened outside these doors right now. And it's awesome. So I want to encourage you to continue doing that. Get the app, do that. Everyone at all our sites has it, all, all of that stuff. Uh, I even have a friend, Jim, who lives down in Laguna Nagil, and he messaged me and I'm mailing him a t-shirt as well too. So it'll be good. Anyways, um, the, the, we're, we're doing a class today at the North Campus about how to share your story. It's a four, 401 class is what we call it. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about is, I don't know if you've thought about it, but like, the, you know, I'm getting up there in years, 27 now. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> a 
little girl in front's like, 27? Uh, anyways, um, no, I, I am getting older. And here's what I've noticed, though, is uh, my story is full of all kinds of chapters, right? There's all of these different chapters. So you have uh, my story when I was a kid growing up in San Marcos, California. And then um, I, a teenager um, going to high school and being a, a, a high school student or a college student. Or, um, you know, part of my story is my senior year of college. I did, I was my parents' dream come true. I dropped out of college to sign a record deal and be a punk rocker, right? They were like, what are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, I was a musician. That was part of my story. Um, on and on and on. There's all these different parts of, of our, our stories, chapters even, right? I was a newlywed at one point. Right? And then I, I was a youth pastor. That's another chapter in my story. Um, and then I became a new parent. And I was really tired in that chapter of my story. Amen. Yeah, it gets better. Don't worry. <laughs> just kidding. Um, anyways, it's just, it gets different, right? Um, I was a, I became a pastor and I pastored different congregations. Those are all different chapters in, in, in my story. Um. Then I, I was pastor of, or I was pastor, I became a parent of school-age kids and a soccer dad. And that's another chapter in my story, right? And now I'm a parent of teenagers. Do we have any other potheads in the room right now? P-O-T, parent of teenager, okay? Anyways. So the, the, the truth is, there's all these different chapters in my story. And I, I forgot, I, I apologize. Before I, I get into to God's word and give you the background on it, I do want to handle something right now. So um, every year, um, the youth pastor here at the North Campus, Derek Alvarez, and I have a little bet when the Chargers play the Raiders. And tomorrow night they play. And last year, I just want to remind all of you Raider fans who won, Chargers. So, um, Derek, hold on. Don't you leave. Don't you leave, Derek Alvarez. If you're watching right now, I need you to know, um, we have a bet that whoever loses has to call the other one daddy for 24 hours. <laughs> and I knew the game was tomorrow, so I decided to collect today. And I saw him sitting in the front row. Hi, Derek. Sean's my daddy. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Anyways. He knew where I was going. He's trying to leave. So um, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul today. And, and he gives his testimony. It's real brief to the Philippians. He just gives a chapter of his story. And sometimes you don't need to tell your whole story. Sometimes it's just a brief chapter that, that, that you've got to tell. And God can use that chapter of your life for great things. And sometimes it's not even a pleasant chapter of your life. It's not one you, you, you necessarily wanted to go through, but God will use that for great things. So I want to give you a little background to what we're about to read here. So Paul is um, writing this church in Philippi and they, they're struggling because they have a group of people in the church. They, they're um, Jewish people that became believers in Jesus. And because they were Jewish, they followed all of the Jewish tradition, the laws, the kosher rules. Um, they, they ate right. They, they did the ritual washing and they were circumcised. And when the Gentiles started becoming believers in Jesus, and Jesus was a Jew, um, it was just assumed by all the Jewish Christians that the Gentiles would do all of the same things the Jews were doing. They'd follow all the kosher rules, the, the Old Testament laws, all of those things, and um, the men would get circumcised. Wow, that's, that, that'd make quite a membership class, wouldn't it? <laughs> we have one more thing we have to do. It'd be awful. 
And see, Paul, not just Paul, but also the other apostles, they, they said, no, if they are Gentiles, they're not held to our laws and our traditions. Those are for the Jews. You know, and, and there, there was a specific way that the, the Gentile believers were to be. So Paul is writing again to these Jewish Christians, he called them Judaizers, that insisted that if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to get circumcised, right? And, um, and, and he, he kind of gives his short testimony of a chapter of his life. And then he points forward to, or actually to, to who he is in Christ now and, and who he hopes to be. So I want to I I read this to you. It comes out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. So I'd love it if you're able to, if you'd stand in honor of God's word. This is Paul speaking. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is God's word. You may be seated. So if you have your outline, you can pull out the Clovisils app and it's in there and you, you can go right to that. Number one on, on the outline is this. Your story should testify to what Jesus has done, not what you've done. You know, um, last week, Pastor Scott pointed this out briefly in his sermon and I thought it was, it was brilliant because many times what happens is, uh, what, it, what it does is it creates something in a lot of us. Maybe you don't have this crazy testimony where, you know, like you, you, you know, did drugs and you did a bunch of awful things, you, you know, you put a, puppies in blenders or anything, something horrible, you were an evil person and then you became a Christian and now you're great again. Maybe you just grew up and you're like, I went to church and at five I accepted Jesus and then sometime I heard uh, Dave Tan, he talked about at a certain point in his teenage years, he said, I, I had the assurance of my salvation. He knew actually it was in his college years, he knew that he was saved. He was already saved, but he got that. Like the Lord just showed him like, no, you're with me, right? Maybe you have just a normal testimony like that. Here's what I want you to understand about your story. Your story isn't about what you've done. It's about what God has done in you, if that makes sense. And let me give you a great, a great example. So um, Jesus said John the Baptist, that there, there was no one greater born of women than John the Baptist. And he's a great example because um, John, there's, a, there's this, this, in John 3, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan. 
And he already knows that Jesus has come. He's already pointed out that Jesus is the Messiah. He says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then um, a little bit later, Jesus Jesus's disciples are also baptizing people in a different place at the mouth of the Jordan River. So they're, they're about a mile and a half apart. Uh, if you ever go to Israel with me, I can show you. But, but the truth be told, um, you don't need to go to Israel to know that. But I, I just want you to understand, like one, one group here baptizing, John's group here baptizing. And the Pharisees see this, that like, oh, well, Jesus's disciples are baptizing and John's disciples are baptizing. And it was confusing to them, like, because they, they, they thought John was still like maybe the Messiah and maybe he's different than Jesus. So they go to John and they say, hey, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. As a matter of fact, I'm here to tell you about the Messiah. I'm here to point to the Messiah. I'm the best man. He's the groom, Jesus right? He's the one. The wedding's for him. It's all about him. And he's trying to tell them that and they're not hearing it. They're not understanding it. And in John 3.30, John the Baptist says this. And I think it's very powerful. He says, he, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. He must increase and I must decrease is re really what he's trying to say in the, in the old, old uh, translations. And really your story, as dramatic as it was before or as boring as it was before, the whole point of your story from the, your birth till your death is to point to Jesus. To point out who Jesus is. So it doesn't matter if you have a, like a crazy testimony or a, a normal one, or a random one. It doesn't matter. The whole point of it is to point to Jesus. And see, here, here's, um, I, look, look what it says in verse 7 and 8 of Philippians we just read, right? It says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them a loss for the sake of Christ. So his old story, he just kind of briefly touches, like, yeah, I was a Pharisee, eighth day, circumcised, Hebrew of Hebrews. I knew the law. As, as far as like following the rules, I did it better than anyone else. As far as zeal for the Lord, I was a Pharisee. I was persecuting the church. I was having Christians arrested. I was all about it. And, the, and, and, and he just brushes past it, though. He just says it real quick. And then he gets to, but whatever were gains for me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. That word actually, dung. The NIV kind of, you know, wants to soften it up for you, but it's, it's doo-doo, okay? So anyways, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And what, what he's saying is all of that in the past. And, and what happens is, is many times we start to glorify who we were in the past and we spend so much time on the past and everyone's like, yeah, I relate to that. Oh my gosh, what a story, what a story, what a story. And we only spend moments on the moment you met Christ, how you met Christ and the difference he's made in your life. And here's what I want you to know. Those are the things that are most important about your story. If you're a follower of Jesus. I was in my growth group Friday night and um, my friend Heather, she was talking about sharing her story and in, in her work climate, it can get a little dicey and people get like, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And it, you know, it's a, a secular environment. And um, she was talking about like how people, her, her included, can sometimes get like 
nervous or scared about sharing their story. What, what, what's, what's gonna happen? And she started talking about it. She says, you know, people, you, you, you don't wanna look weird, right? You don't wanna become like, you know, the religious nut at work. Like, oh, look out for him. You know, that kind of person. And you don't wanna be rejected. You don't want God to be rejected. And some of you, um, you're worried about telling your story wrong because you're such a perfectionist. And you're like, if I can't do it right, I might send someone to hell. And you will not. Okay, I'm just letting you know, you will not, even if you tell it wrong. And, um, you know, you don't want to make God look bad. And there's all these reasons why you don't want to share your story. And she came to this conclusion. She said, you know, you know what I decided is um, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I realize it's not about me and all those excuses are about me. I must decrease and he must increase. Come on, there we go. Oh, I'm preaching now. I might get a beat of sweat going through that. You can amen me in the other rooms too. Listen. So maybe you let God be in charge of the outcome. Number two. Sometimes God needs just a chapter of your story. He may not need the whole story. I don't, I don't know if you realize this. Um, time and time again, I watch people come to Christ and usually there's a couple things that, that lead them back to God or to God for the first time. And usually it's like either it's an experience that they had or it's an experience that you had. Maybe, maybe you had a chapter of your life where you experienced God in this powerful way or you went somewhere or you saw something or something happened to you. Or maybe it was a sickness you know, I was, I was telling the last service, you know, my wife has brain cancer, uh, a grade four glioblastoma. And what we have found is now that um, she's had that for three years, uh, still clear, by the way, praise the Lord. Sometimes I forget to tell the church that. And then you're all like, should I ask him? I don't know. She, she has, they've given her nine months to live, but she's three years deep with no progression in it. So that's a good thing. But listen, here, here's what I want you to know. Because of that in her life, there have been countless people now that have come to her to talk to her about it because what came out of her was Jesus and peace. And they want to know about that. did the funeral of a 15-year-old boy who came to Christ here that had it because his family heard about my wife. That boy is in heaven right now in the presence of God, pain-free. That's a beautiful thing. So it might be an experience, a sickness in your life, a trial. You know, you know, maybe you had a relationship blow up. Maybe you had a marriage fall apart. Maybe whatever, whatever it is. And as painful as it could be, here's what I, I know about my God is that he recycles all of our pain in Christ Jesus. And he uses it for good and he uses it to point people to Jesus. But you have to decrease so he can increase in your life. And God will use that in powerful ways in people's lives. He'll use your pain and recycle it if you'll allow him to and tell your story. Maybe that season of your life 
Or the, the last one is a transition, right? Trial, trauma, transition. I see this one all the time. Um, I do the one-on-one class and dessert with the pastors, and we get people that are new to Clovis Hills. And uh, usually, you know, five, six times a year, I get a guy coming in, and he's like, well, you know, I went to church as a kid, and then, you know, I stopped going to college, and then, um, you, you, well, like a couple years ago, we had a kid, and then we had a, another one, and, you know, I just, I just figured... You know, the wife said, let's go to church. Our kids need religion. And I was like, yeah, my kids need religion. That's a transition in, in their life. Here's the funny part. Usually a couple years later, if they're still here, it's because they got into alpha male or they got into some discipleship or they got into a, a men's study or a growth group or something like that. And you hear a whole new story. It was like, yeah, I came to, so that my kids could get some religion and I got some Jesus when I got here. I realized they didn't need it. I needed it. That's the beauty of your story story. God uses trials, traumas, transitions all the time in your life. And you can tell just that season, that chapter of your story to point people to Jesus. Look what it says. Look what Paul said in verse 10 and 11. Actually, sorry, no, not yet. Number three, finish with the now. That's number three in the outline. I almost jumped scriptures. Sorry about that, Emma. Anyways, number three in your outline, finish with the now. And here's why. Again, I, I said this, we, we tend to like want to spend all of our time and what we did. But here's what I want to tell you. Your story, the most glory it will ever bring to Jesus is if you talk about the difference he's made in your life now. Now, I'm going to challenge some of you in this room for a second. Not just in this room, sorry, all of you. Has Jesus actually made a difference in your life? That's a soul-searching question. You want me to make a joke right now so we can move on from it because some of you are like, ow. But no, I, I want you to really think about that. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Because it, if he hasn't, then maybe you should investigate your relationship with him. See, the Bible says this, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. That, you know, um, like last week in the sermon, um, Dave Tan gave a testimony. He talked about he accepted Christ as a little kid. He was a pastor's son. But it was after a moment in his life, and he was mad at God, and he was angry at God, that really God spoke to him. And yes, he realized God had made a difference his whole life and protected him and done all that. But after he went through a trial and he really sensed God speak to him going through that trial, he had the assurance of his salvation. He knew, no, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And see, Paul, in this passage, he gives his purpose statement. I don't know if you realize that. At the, at the, at the end of it, in verse 10 and 11, I want you to look what he says. He says, I, I want to know Christ I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He said, I used to be this guy, I met Jesus, and now I just want to know Christ. I want to know his power, I want to know his resurrection, I even want to share with him in his sufferings, because all of that is so much better than everything before. And he talks about the difference that God has made in his life. In the book of Acts, another time, Paul is talking to a group of Jews. 
And, and he, he says one little line in Acts uh, 13, 36. And I love it though, because he, he's telling him about all the different characters in the Bible. And he says something about King David. And he says this, he says, and David served God's purpose in his generation and then he died. That's a pretty good purpose statement, right? You know, sometimes like if someone were to ask you, what's your purpose in life? Uh, you know, usually most of us go, uh, 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 I don't know. You can just steal that one from David or from Paul if you want. I'm here to serve God's purpose in my life and then die. I don't know, that's pretty good. See, the Bible says this, that if you're a believer in Jesus, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? So what that means is, if you are a teacher, you should teach in the name of the Lord Jesus. I, I was talking with a friend and he, he was talking, he's a, he's a teacher in a public school and his school's kind of, you know, really like, Real separation of church and state, and they, they get kind of dicey. And, he, and we were talking about it. He goes, yeah, you know, I'm not allowed to really talk about Jesus, but if kids ask questions, watch out. <laughs> Can't do anything. And he, 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 t he testified to the difference that God's made in his life. So, you know, in, in my, my life, the older I get, the more, the, and, and I look back at all the chapters, I start to see a theme and I start to see like, oh, this is the purpose of my life. This is why I'm here today. This is why God has me on this planet. Do you ever think about that? Like how, you know, like, how come God just didn't like take me right when I accepted Jesus? You know, that, that would make for a crazy altar call on Sunday morning too, wouldn't it? <laughs> Come on forward and die. You know, they come forward, get their, screw their bulb in and uh, fall over. That, that would be crazy. But the reason he didn't take me when I accepted Jesus is because he had a plan for my life. He wanted me to serve his purpose, right? And the older I get and I look back at the chapters of my life, my purpose gets clearer and clearer. Here's what I, I realize. My purpose is to love Jesus with all my heart and figure out how to obey him. Some days I'm really good at it and some days I'm not so good. Amen? I'm offended. That's really mean, guys. It's true though, it's true. I'm not sometimes, right? But then the other thing I'm, God put me here to do is to love my wife, to love Kelly. And, and, then he, and then he put me there here to love my children and be a, be a father to my children. And then the, the last thing he put me on this planet to do is to preach the gospel, not just to non-Christians, but to you guys as well, that we need to hear the gospel over and over and over because our problem is not that we don't have enough information, it's that we don't really believe the gospel sometimes. That's why we disobey. That's why we become religious. That's why we do all that. So I get up here and I preach the gospel and some of you write me emails about how I'm a coward and I don't talk about political things and I'm here to let you know. It's not because I'm cowardice, it's because I know my purpose. I know my purpose. And I got all kinds of opinions, but that's not for here. The good news is for here. So, so. They go to John the Baptist, right? We were talking in John chapter three. And, and John says, I must decrease, he must increase. And here's the interesting thing. He keeps telling these Pharisees, you don't get it. He's the Messiah. He's the one. Jesus, Jesus, Je He just keeps pointing them that way and they don't want to hear it. They just don't, they, they just don't want to hear it. So he says this to them, and I, and I love this. This is out of John 3, uh, 32 through 36. He says, 
He testifies to what has seen and heard. He's talking about Jesus. But no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it, accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and he's placed everything in his hands. In this world that's going crazy right now, that feels out of control. You don't feel in control. I don't feel in control. I'm letting you in on something. You're not in control. You can take as many drugs or eat as much food or, or buy as much stuff on Amazon or try and control your kids as much as possible. You do all kinds of things to try and stay in control, but we are not in control. But the good news is this. It says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Everything. When you are in Christ Jesus, everything that is in your hands or in your heart that you're worried about, you're reminded that it's in the hands of God. And then it says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. You know, in the old King James, it says, He who hath the Son hath life. He who hath not the Son hath not life. And, and really, he's talking about eternal life. It's life eternal that John's, John's talking about. And see, the Bible's very clear about this, and I'm about to give you some good news. The Bible says, well, before I give you the good news, I'm going to give you the bad news. The Bible says this. The Bible says that, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That everyone, everyone on this planet, the guy in this, in this pulpit right now, all of us, we've all sinned. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin, in Rome, Romans, it says, for the wages of sin is death. That, that's eternal separation from God. We can have a relationship with God. When we die, we'll be separated from God for eternity. But it, but it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, right? And John is saying the same thing Paul was. He who has the Son has life. Life eternal. Not just life, life, you know, pie in the sky when you die, but life today, that your eternal life begins today, that you can become a child of God. It says, but as many as received Him, to those who believe in His name, when you receive Him, then you become a child of God. Then you are in His hands. Then all the chaos in the world, all the things that go wrong in your world, all the bad parts of your story, God picks them up and begins to undo them for good. And it lasts forever. But God respects your autonomy. He respects you as a person that much that He wants you to make the decision that you have to decide. He can't force his love on you. That's the way love works. You can't force someone to love you. You have to just leave yourself vulnerable, arms open. If you wanna know how much Jesus loves you, right? This much. And he waits for you to make that decision. But that's your call. So this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Some of you, you, you made that decision when you were five. And I want you to know God's promises are always yes and amen. He never took it away from you. But maybe you've been working on your testimony, right? Today's the day you just come home. You just pray a prayer of rededication. 
point your heart to Jesus and begin to follow again. But some of you today, you don't know where you stand. If you were to die today, you, you don't know. But you can know. See, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That, you know, this at the nine o'clock service here at the, in, in this auditorium, um, preached the same message. And, and um, in, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of make that decision. Like, no, I'm with Jesus publicly. And um, I, I asked anyone that made that decision to, while we were singing to just come forward. And the church will cheer you on like you won the Super Bowl. And, it, you know, it's different every week. Sometimes lots of people come. Sometimes no one comes. Sometimes one person comes. So, I, you know, and it was pretty empty in that service, like, compared to right now. So I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how this goes, Lord. Because you just don't know. Sometimes I feel like I preached a turd of a sermon and, like, 20 people come. And then sometimes I'm like, I've got them and there's no one. See, here's the thing. It's not up to me. It's up to Jesus, right? So I, I, pre- I preach. I, I call people to make that bold that courageous choice and no one's coming I'm like okay it's gonna be one of those mornings and then this this guy this man you know probably probably in his 50s he comes forward which there's something about when a man does it men we are so prideful and he comes forward and you could tell he was like today's my day and it was so cool there was a woman sitting in the same row as him and she came running like it was a price of price is right you know like And she just grabbed him and hugged him and said, I'm so proud of you. Some of you, you woke up this morning, you didn't realize it, but today was the day Jesus knocked at the door of your heart and you worked up the faith and you worked up the courage to step into his story now. And I want to encourage you to do that, that you would make that choice to step into God's story because God's story is so much better and he's going to turn yours into something so much greater. But you have to decrease and he must increase. So this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to receive Christ wherever you're at right now. So let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. For a moment, I want to pray for those of you that are in the room that are believers and you know you are. Lord, I just pray that you would make them bold, make them brave, and give them favor with their story.